three of us at um, Cookie Monster at Yahoo.mail. <laughs> and uh, what is our what is our Twitter handle? I can't remember that one. Twitter handle is um, Bad Banana Twenty Four. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dave. Thanks for joining Bob and I for our podcast, Thriving in Dystopia. And even though we always try and be professionals, sometimes we swear. So just know that going in. Welcome back, everybody. This is your favorite narrow casting show from two brothers who you may never have met, or you may have met both of them or just one of them. This is Thriving in Dystopia. I'm Bob Maisler. My co-host is David Peachtree. That's <laughs> <laughs> like that. Answering Rashid, say your name now. <laughs> uh, that was a funny intro, Bob. <laughs> yeah. This is the show where we go in depth with the analysis on a personal to a global level. <laughs> I thought um, a changeup is always a great pitch, you know. Yeah, something something a little bit different. Hey, yeah. do you have a good? Do you have a good one of those in a world voices like the trailers for a movie? I don't know if I do. Let's hear what you got. In a world, nope, I, I missed it up. <laughs> <laughs> in a world, no, that's bad too. In a world. In the world. Oh, that was fine. Uh, uh, There's a comedian who used to do those that we, we liked. Who is that? Uh, gosh. Pablo, Pablo Francisco. Is that someone? Uh, yeah. Pablo Francisco is correct. Nice. He did the uh, parody of Arnold Schwarzenegger, Little Tortilla Boy. That's right. Get down. Get down again. <laughs> little tortilla boy oh that was pretty good you you finally getting it dave yeah uh speaking of movies bob i want to talk a little christmas before we get going today and i um want to tell you that i watched a christmas movie starring none other than michael caine Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> um, Michael Michael Caine as Ebenezer Scrooge. Is this ringing any bells? <laughs> I don't know. Should it be? <laughs> ah, yes. Bahabug. Bahabug, Kermit. Bahabug. Uh, <laughs> um, it is The Muppets Christmas, Bob. Oh, of course. Oh, my God. How, how was that one? That was it was actually one of the better Christmas movies. We watched a total of 10 Christmas movies this this holiday season and I would put Muppets Christmas like number 3 on the list. Wow. Man, yeah. that's number 1. Number 1 has got to be Love Actually. I just find that movie to be really heartwarming and lovely and nice and it definitely is lacking in some ways, but it is a solid movie overall. Yeah, it's it's pretty entertaining for sure. Yeah, I just love how it's not all happy, you know? And it's like, there's uh, Emma Thompson and 
Alan Rickman oh, yeah. like, relationship, and it ends yep. with that, a like, lot of question marks, and there's like apart. some a lot of sadness there, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's not. I think they're able to do that. They're able to wrap it up with a nice little bow on it because like other relationships get wrapped up nicely, you know, so they're able to leave that one open-ended, you know? Yeah. And so not every relationship's happy. Like, and I don't remember the character's name or the actress's name, but there's this one woman who works at the newspaper and she has a brother um, that's differently abled and has a lot of like, uh, mental health issues and yeah she ends up like sort of dedicating her life to him and she ends up not getting with carl the the hunky editor and yeah that's that's a little bit sad too to see her make a sacrifice of love for the love of her brother and being a caretaker so i don't know i just feel like that's not how romantic comedies end romantic comedies end in the way that it ends for hugh grant you know where he's like the prime minister and he's quirky and he falls in love with his um housekeeper whatever she is she does the laundry or something and yeah they end up together and happy you know that but i like the all, all the other offbeats have you have you seen red nose day actually no. What is that one? Uh, that is the sequel to Love Actually. And what's it called? Uh, it's called Red Nose Day Actually. <laughs> what? Really? Is, yep. this a, is it like a joke sequel to Love Actually or is it real? Oh, it's completely real. Yep. And Whoa. it came out in 2017. Whoa. Red Nose Day Actually? Yep. The sequel, huh? That's awesome. I know. I've never even heard of it. I'm sure it ruins everything that love actually is though, right? Uh, it probably does, but for, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I was going to say like for someone who enjoys love, actually it's a must see, but maybe it's not, maybe it ruins things too much. So yeah, I think you're probably right. Well, anyways, I will say that I, I also really liked last Christmas. That's a one on Netflix and, um, it, it stars, uh, I can't remember her name, but she plays Daenerys Targaryen, Khaleesi. And that's a good one on Netflix. And I really like the movie Klaus. Oh, yeah. Did you watch Klaus again this year? Yeah, I watched it with my fourth graders, and that was awesome. Yeah, Klaus is one of my favorites ever. Yeah, for sure. And Uh, I just keep talking about Family Stone. Just yesterday, we went down to do a social distancing thing with Dave Harris, um, friend of the show, Dave Harris, and his wife, Al Harris. Um, and we, yeah, ta- just talked about the family stone for a long time and it is not good, but it's worth, it brings up a lot of things. Interesting. Yeah. I've never seen that one. Yeah. Well, anyways, Bob, how was your Christmas? How are things going over there for you? Oh, it's good. I, um, had to bring up, uh, a movie that we watched. Oh, please. It's uh, none other than home alone Two. <laughs> lost, lost in New York. That's right. Yes. Uh, um, not to spoil it or anything. <laughs> oh, you can spoil it. Um, it, it. We actually watched both Home Loans, and one thing I noticed is the Wet Bandits take about about equal amount of damage by Kevin in the first one, but in the <laughs> second one, 
Um, Marv really takes a ton of damage. I would say he takes seventy five percent of the damage. Oh my god! <laughs> Marv is um, tall, lanky guy. Yeah, uh, Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern. Yeah, I'm like wow, who wrote this script? And actually, I know who wrote it. It was John Hughes. Um, and I must say, John Hughes really went downhill in the nineties. You know, something about the nineties really did something to good old Johnny Hughes. Ah, interesting. Yeah, like his stuff wasn't very good in the 90s. Yeah, Yeah, Home Alone 2 is the exact same script, like with all the same things as the first one, except it's in New York. (laughs) And except that Marv takes a ton of damage. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, huh? Um, But I also just want to say, you know, in the first one, there's that old guy that Kevin gives some advice to, to like call his daughter. Oh, yeah. Um, actually it's calling his son and the second one kevin gives advice to the pigeon lady in the park to like oh, right. open her heart again and and live or and try to love again and um i was just thinking like there's like this kevin McAllister philosophy you know like he he gives this advice around like be courageous don't leave these things for tomorrow and it's actually you know it's not terrible advice and i'm i just thought huh kevin yeah he's like a little bit of a therapist that i don't think he gets credit for yeah cool i wouldn't mind seeing just kevin's advice on youtube yeah. maybe i'll google yeah. that after the show yep the philosophy of kevin McAllister. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh i'm also thinking bob that we might be able to pull a guest off on today's show oh cool yeah is is it gonna happen it looks like it. Our good friend um, Ian Carbone is ready to join the show. And for once, we actually don't have them waiting on the call, listening to us to talk about all kinds of jibber jabber. But I'm thinking, let's get him on. Are you ready, Bob? Yeah, I'm ready. So we have a very special guest on the show today. We have our good friend Ian Carbone, who Dave and I grew up with back in. Boulder, Colorado. Ian did his grad work at UC Santa Cruz, and he was a big influence on me also coming out and doing my grad work out there too. Ian is a um, professor at Allegheny State University um, in Pennsylvania and does work in environmental studies Ian's a, a physicist so takes that angle on it and Ian's just a wonderful guy he has a great sense of humor he's a person who really enjoys the out, outside and um yeah just been a really great influence on Dave and me over the years and so it's a it's a great honor to have Ian on the show today Ian uh two questions where are you for this podcast and then how's your day going um well thanks for having me uh it's it's allegheny college bob i don't know if that's yeah. <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> uh, i don't know if it's worth correcting you guys because um doesn't matter too much to me but yeah allegheny college and um let's see i'm in my little home office here in meadville pennsylvania uh we got a big dump of snow uh on christmas eve so it's a really beautiful winter wonderland outside and um, I'm surrounded by animals. So I'm probably going to get uh, some cat 
sounds or some dog sounds at some point uh, during our conversation. Perfect. And uh, what was your other part, Bob? Like, how am I doing? Yeah. How's your day going? Oh, it's going okay. Um, honestly, I've been feeling I've been feeling the the weight of uh, coronavirus quarantining, uh, particularly because I'm not in Colorado with my family, which is where I would normally be this time of year. So, feel I've been feeling I've been very conscious of that today. Yeah, it definitely has felt like a different Christmas than any other that I can remember or holiday season as it were like as we move into new year's i'm just like really aware of the fact that new year's is just going to be like i don't know doing a jigsaw puzzle and hanging out um it'll probably be better than last new year's dave (laughs) (laughs) that oh could be yeah yeah we did man i remember last new year's and we ended up going to that one bar and everybody there were so many people there but they all felt so miserable yeah, well, we're not bar people. Well, I'm not a bar person. And yeah, that's true. Just like so many New Year's of past, we I've somehow decided that like I'm going to be a bar person on New Year's, and then just realize that it's not fun at all. It's just yeah. a bunch of uh, drunk bros. That's how you're seen. Yeah, that, I need to find my sure. bar. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad to finally have you on the show. It's been way too long coming. I mean, we knew it would happen at some point, right? Yeah. Well, I invested in my microphone um, months ago, so I'm <laughs> glad I finally get to use it. Yeah. As all good thriving in dystopia listeners, they invest in a microphone for their big shot. And you, I mean, you got the text this morning, and you're like, "All right, I'm. I got a hike, but the second I'm done, I'm going to come on the show." That's right put together some ideas, um, workshop them with some friends, and I think I'm ready. Oh, wow. Dang. You're more prep than most um, guests and certainly the host. Absolutely. I'm just kidding. I didn't do any of that. <laughs> Good. Yes. Welcome to the show then. <laughs> all right. Well, if it's all right with you all, I'm going to open up the topic today as we are sitting squarely between Christmas and New Year's, we're going to do what all major uh, news organizations and pop-up videos and MTV broadcasts and The Bachelor, we're going to look back on the year. We're going to do it in a the way that we love to do it uh, as we l- come to the end of the year. We look back using um, rose, buds, and thorns. And I'll, I'll kind of explain that a little bit. A rose is the... Not necessarily the nicest moment, but this a moment that you really want to like hold on to. And um the rose is like that happy thing. And of course the thorn is that like sour, uh kind of like downtrodden moment. And the bud is what you're looking forward to in the future. And it's been a really big tool for me, like in education, using this with kids and doing circles and finding gratitude to be a little more directed and um, yeah, I guess I am excited too, because we're going to do it from a personal perspective and a global perspective. So we're going to think about like our personal rose button thorn and our, and global as well. And I think we're going to split it up to do just the rose and thorn of 2020. And then we'll do the bud of bud that we're looking forward to in 2021. And I don't know if I missed anything, but I think I'll just shoot it over to Bob to get us started in whichever area you want to get us started. 
Thank you, Dave. Yeah, I think that you covered everything and I have all mine lined up. I'm interested in this. I really love reflection. And so for me, reflecting back on a year is, uh, it just brings me a lot of sort of satisfaction and like turning to the next chapter is really important. And so I I like this framework that you've given us, Dave. I guess I could start in the personal or the global. I guess maybe for me, it makes a little bit more sense to start in the global. So I'll start there. And I'm going to start us off with a global rose. And that is for me, the Black Lives Matter demonstrations and uprisings over the summer that started in June after, of course, a a thorn, a killing of George Floyd. Um, However, the response was really a, a rose for me that in so many cities, people took to the streets in a really dangerous time during the pandemic. Some historians say it's the largest um, uprising since the 60s in the United States. And it had a pretty profound effects. I think most obviously, many, many Confederate statues were taken down. Um, and it, you know, changed the name of the Washington football team, changed the name of the Cleveland baseball team. It had a, a lot of changes at the local level and state level around defunding the police. And then just basically that conversation around defunding the police and abolition really took off. So for me, that's a overall rose that that response was so, you know, strong to uh, such an awful event. So that one's mine. Nice. Yeah. Let's just kick it over to Ian and we'll stay in the same, or I, you can go whatever category you want, Ian. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, can I ask a follow-up to Bob or? Oh yeah, please. I mean, if we need to move efficiently, I understand, but no, no, no I think yeah, a little bit of efficient. dialogue is great. Um, just that the, the black lives matter movement has become so polarized within the democratic party um, and among progressives. And I'm just wondering if, if that has taken away from the successes that you noted just a little bit ago. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, that, um, it, I don't know. I I don't know if it like takes away from it, but it definitely is, was very disappointing, um, post-election for me to see corporate Democrats, come out so strongly against Black Lives Matter and defunding the police. Um, it was like not unexpected, but it is now a very, like some of the momentum around that has, has turned. So yeah, I would say that response. And, but it, it also like, there's more work to do around clarifying what Black, uh, sorry, what defunding the police and abolition is. And uh, I guess for our listeners, I'd refer us, refer them back to episode four, defunding the police. Um, And, but yeah, that's a a good follow-up. 
Yeah, because there was like a little bit of a, a letdown after all this momentum. When you kind of felt like the whole world was behind it, or at least my whole world. Yes, my social circles. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, you know, watching the patterns of how this worked, like I knew it was coming at some point. And so, yeah, it, it, it but it is still totally disappointing and, and because it does sort of prevent more stuff from happening where it could happen. Should I jump into mine? Please. Thank you. Ian. Um, so that was, that was your, that was your global, uh, rose and mine was, I don't know. I kind of had a hard time with this one and I don't want to give the impression that I'm a big Biden guy. Cause I don't think he's going to accomplish much of anything when he's president, but I was excited when I saw Biden's climate plan, not because it was perfect or, uh, likely to produce anything meaningful, but uh, I, as someone who has committed a lot of my personal life energy to environmental issues and climate change, I was just excited to see it so high on the agenda and to feel like it's a issue that's of significant concern. Uh, so I was, I was, I was somewhat hopeful by the fact that Biden at least played lips, paid lip service to uh, the climate problem. And that's not a huge victory, but it feels, feels like there's a nugget in there for me to hang on to for a little while. Yeah, that's great, Ian. Mm. Yeah, I haven't looked at it yet, and I know that it came out just a couple weeks ago. Is that right? I don't remember exactly when it came out. Time means nothing to me anymore. Holidays <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just kind of blend together. It feels like it was a that's long time ago to me, but it could be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I will build off that. I also really struggled with this one as well. I felt like there were some moments like the Biden victory felt like that moment of just like a global sigh of relief. And, you know, same with the Cleveland baseball team declaring that they're going to change their name. That was like a, a big like moment of like, yes, this feels like something to me. And of course I thought about black lives matter. Um, but I guess I just wanted to share a little snippet. There was this, one of the things that I kept coming to was kind of all the, all these little moments that built up because of COVID. I feel like it's hard to quite put your finger on it, but I, early on in the pandemic, there was this TV show or YouTube channel that came out with John Krasinski called Some Good News. And it is, it was basically him just like looking, it was kind of like looking at a few people and a few little things that they'd done and like how people were surviving the pandemic. And I think it, it only aired eight episodes, but I found myself just like sobbing every at every one of those episodes. I was just like crying with this like happiness because of like the little moments of people bringing joy to other people. And I feel like that's kind of how. I've survived 2020 in a lot of ways, just like with people. I mean, that's how we survive as a species, right? Like we do, it's the little acts 
And it's hard to quantify that, but I feel like it's been really important this year more than others. So I just really recommend, um, it's not like a great show or anything like that, but I, I really loved watching some good news with John Krasinski and that felt like the, a global moment that I wanted to share with other people. Have you, have either of you two seen that show? I know it exists, but I, I've never seen an episode. Yeah. I did, I did not you? know it, it exists until now. Perfect. Good. Well, maybe one of you guys will watch an episode and cry some happy tears at the end of 2020. <laughs> uh, a, a show that really gave me an emotional response was Midnight Gospel uh, on Netflix, I believe. And it's the same... It's a cartoon. It's the same car- cartoon maker that made Adventure Time, and and basically just animated all these podcast interviews that were carried out, including one with his mom, who has since passed. And uh, it's just beautiful, and it talks about all these big existential issues that I find fascinating, and does so in a really emotional and relatable way. So I, I highly recommend that one. That was that was a, a rose for my twenty twenty. Nice. Love it. Yeah, that looks really good, Ian. Yeah. yeah. Is that Pendleton Ward? Yes. Yeah, that's the dude. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'll just mention, to build off this, there's an Instagram account called So You Want to Talk About, all one word, and they have a, a post about good things in 2020 that's, that's solid and inspiring. Um, and... Yeah, I'll just continue us along. I guess it's kind of funny doing the thorn after the rose, but I'll give you my thorn anyways here. It it's it's related to Ian's my my thorn is um like that there was this moment in the pandemic early on where sheltering in place happened and then global emissions, carbon emissions like went down by a fair amount and you know, people were not destroying environments because they were sheltering in place. And I thought that was a possibility for humanity to like continue with that. Um, however, from my vantage point, that didn't happen at all. Like that was just a moment. And then capitalism went right back to where it was e- exploiting the environment. And, and so for me, that's my thorn that we had a moment and I think we lost it or, you know, we fumbled it. So I, but I also do agree with Ian that I was, you know, I'm, I'm like someone who's pretty against Biden, even though, you know, I was even more against the orange menace, but I, so I was pretty surprised by Biden's plan. I've read it as well. And, you know, Biden's been nominating some pretty bad people to his cabinet um, in certain places, but I th- I'm hopeful that he he nominated John Kerry as his environment czar. And Kerry's like an establishment guy, but he's not as bad as like a lobbyist. And I think John Kerry can get some things done. Um, so I I do I I agree with Ian. I hold out some hope for that environment plan um, of Biden's, and and God we need it because. Yeah, we've gone in the wrong direction for far too long. Yeah, that's that's the thing. You just you don't know what's actually going to happen, and Biden's history doesn't suggest that he's going to be 
an environmental champion to me, but you know, maybe the pressure is enough right now that, that something could have could break loose. I to I I totally agree. Yeah, and and yeah, just because the pressure is extreme. Yeah. Uh, Ian, do you want to give us your your thorn to to stay in the misery? Yeah. <laughs> this this one was a little bit easier. I feel like I had a few to choose from, but <laughs> I I think that for me, and this is pretty recent, but I think the fact that we've got a nine hundred billion dollar coronavirus relief package that looks like it's about to well who knows but could potentially be passed pretty soon and we have that because democrats were unwilling to take like what was a one and a half or 1.9 trillion dollar plan that was offered by republicans when donald trump still had uh something to gain from passing a coronavirus relief bill and just the fact that they were unwilling to make that deal to actually save American lives for political gain uh, feels really discouraging to me. I still feel quite sad about the state of that relief bill. May, again, maybe something will break through because Donald Trump threw a, a wrench into the gears, but the fact that Democrats were unwilling to provide that relief when they were given an opportunity is unconscionable to me. I, I appreciate that one, Ian. I appreciate it a lot. And yeah, for people who weren't following that as closely, that's really important to note. Whew. Well, yeah, I'm going to just keep us in the misery, of course. Was, just, that, was that too heavy? Did I, did I go too no, far, guys? Oh, no, not at all. Thank no, you. Never. All right. <laughs> you just let me know. Podcasts. Just, just no, tell me to reel it in, and I will. No, you're you be a loose cannon, Ian. All right, fix <laughs> it up. Uh, yeah, so I guess my thorn is this. Whenever I think about it, and it's this idea. Uh, I mean, of course, coronavirus, right? So, but the idea that there's like coronavirus in the prison system, it just like takes these two things that are just so horribly wrong with the u.s and mashes them together in this like super tragic way and i i don't i haven't done a ton of research about it but i i've heard from uh pbs that one in every five uh prisoners in the united states have tested positive from coronavirus and like deaths from coronavirus in prisons is in texas alone it's over 200 people and so but that's you know they have the most incarcerated people of anybody but it's i think like nationwide it's something like 2000 prisoners have died of the coronavirus and i obviously that number is going to be like dramatically undercounted and whatnot but I feel like it's just like, it feels so sad to like how many people are wrongfully in prison and how, like how many people we like have felt like because of like quarantine and other stuff, how we felt like we've been in prison, but like the people that are actually in prison and like for no good reason, except for the way that the United States system is set up and yeah, that's that's been the thing that's brought me the most sadness on the global level is ev- 
every time that my mind drifts to the prison system. Yeah, and now we're getting a another, you know, inequality issue around who's actually going to get vaccines. So much right. of the world isn't, and it's exploding in Africa right now, at least based mm. on the headlines I saw this morning. Well, Bob, you want to lift us out of this? Yeah, I uh, appreciate these, though, because they bring attention to things that maybe not everyone is following, and um, it's important to get, give voice to that. So thank you. Thank you both. Um, I guess I'm going to lift us into the old personal rose, although I don't know if that does much, you know, to offset um, all these global terrible things, but I will mention that for me, my personal rose this year has been, you know, finding meaning or finding like new things within the, sh- the shelter in place in the pandemic. And the most visibly positive thing for me is, is running, like going jogging. I've never been a jogger and I was playing soccer before the pandemic and, but with everything as it was, I decided to take up jogging with my partner and we go to the the track at UCSC and, um, we do some laps and it, it, you know, before I, I, I remember in the, the gym, I could only run for about four minutes and, um, <laughs> now I'm sorry, I'm doing the laugh so hard. Um, you know, half hour runs and it feels, feels really good. Um, and so that's like something that is an outcome of, you know, a bad situation, um, being in sheltering in place. And I think running will be with me, you know, for, for quite some time now. So that is my, my personal rose. What Bob didn't tell you is that Four minutes was a four-minute mile. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I will say that Bob's time, like, he is just so fast. You're running, like, 5Ks in, like, 20 minutes, which is very fast. It, there's something about that track that I run fast there, I've noticed, because I I run other places, and that track is just, just gets me going. I got really into treadmills. A couple winters ago, I think there was just a lot of snow and I could do these treadmills at the local Y that would give me a virtual run in like Taiwan or the Black Forest or in Germany or something like that. I got really into those for a while and I ran so much harder on a treadmill than I do when I'm outside. Outside, I just like kind of lope around and look at the trees and stuff. And that's way better, of course, but I think I, I think I was in better shape when I was doing the virtual tours of Europe on my virtual treadmill. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'm with you. And I feel like when you're on a treadmill, the, basically the only game you get to play is how fast can you run. And so you just run harder and harder till your ankle breaks, you know? Yeah, or you fall off the treadmill. Yeah. <laughs> nice. You want to go next, Ian? Yeah, personal, personal uh, rows. I think mine was, well, I can relate to Bob. I just, I just have fully embraced being a introvert. I I have no judgment anymore around like not doing stuff with friends or not going out on adventures. And that's been 
really great uh, for me. But I would say that my rose is probably telling all fr- my friends and family the the secret that Taylor, my partner, and I have been married for a year and a half now was was pretty fun. We had this secret marriage for the benefits, really. I mean, we, we were planning to get married eventually, but Taylor needed benefits so that she could go back to school. And Dave, you were in on the secret. And we have one other friend that was in on the secret and everyone did a great job of keeping the secret. And then it was fun while we had the secret, but it was also a big relief just to tell everyone that we were actually going to plan to celebrate with friends and family. So that was a really big moment. And also the reactions were like spanned the gamut from, you know, elation to outrage that people hadn't been told or that we've like pulled some the wool over their eyes for so long or something like that. So it was kind of funny, you know, there were no real bad long-term reactions, but the reactions were really interesting to experience. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Is there any particular reaction that stands out for you when you told people? Yeah. Our, our friend, Julie here in Pennsylvania, uh, we told a bunch of friends when we were out getting ice cream and Julie just, she, well, first of all, she knows everybody. She knows everything that's going on. She has a lot of social capital and she just totally malfunctioned. (laughs) It was like for, for a while she was pacing back and forth, just saying like, I'm fine. I'm happy. I'm really fine with this. I'm really happy for them. And then at one point she went over to someone on the other side of the ice cream this is like an outdoor old school style ice cream parlor and just like brings them over and like tells them to that that we're married that we've been married for a year (laughs) and they're just like really uncomfortable and uh yeah julie was totally fine but she was really upset by the fact that there was a secret that she didn't know for so long (laughs) yeah i can relate to that one that's for sure how did, well, all, be, how did it feel to be in on the secret, Dave? Oh, I loved it. That was I'm epically known for not keeping people's secrets. So <laughs> the fact that I was like, this is something that I can do. I know that I'm like the only person that like they've told, or like one of the few people that they've told, and I'm just gonna hold on to this. And it felt so good to like be able to make jokes about like and not give away your secret, but then it would make Julie, my Julie, so nervous every time I'd be like, yeah, I wonder when, uh, like, wouldn't it be just so hilarious if Ian and or I, I wouldn't go that far, but I, I would be pretty close. There was some, <laughs> yeah, there, there was some, uh, inside remarks during some zoom calls. Oh yeah. I remember some jabbing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So for me, I, I guess I'm, I'm going to do my personal rose and thorn together because they're kind of related and I'm glad that I get to bridge the gap. My, and I'll start with the thorn and the thorn happened in February where I was just at a really low point in my teaching career. I had, I've been teaching since like 20, really like 2012, maybe 2014. And there was this moment where I was like, it 
it just feels like too much. And the current job that I was doing in last school year was the job of in-house sub because Julie and I had just moved from Vermont to Colorado. And it's a, it's an really hard job to like know every day you're going to be somewhere new, even if it's in the same school. It's just like a new, like the job of the sub is so hard. And I just felt like there was this moment in where I was just kind of felt like I had done my time and I was tired of subbing and being this person, even though it does suit me well, it's just impossible. It's an impossible job. And it's like a lot of responsibility and not a lot, not enough pay. Um, And so I was like questioning because it's also really hard to become a teacher without I've, I haven't gone to school for teaching. Um, and while I've taught in like private schools and on farms and all over the world, um, I hadn't, I don't have a teaching license and that feels like one of the big things that I, this big mountain that I had to overcome. And that leads to my rose. The, my happiest moment in 2020 was when I got hired to be a fourth grade teacher. And it's in large part due to like the work that I had done at the school that I was working at um, and just being qualified and being bilingual and them just being willing to sort of take a chance on me. So that feels like really special that I was able to get a job and because I've had felt like I had been in limbo for too long. And that moment just came with so much relief and happiness and yeah, I think that job security is like one of those things that we can all relate to and um, how that can be like a thorn or a rose and how the pendulum swings so fast. So anyways, that's that's what I wanted to share. My rose and thorn all all related to teaching as my life tends to be these days. Spoken like a true teacher, Dave. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember when I told you, Ian, that I was like thinking about quitting teaching and it made you really sad. Yeah, you're you're just, and I know probably most of the people that listen to this know this deep in their bones, but for those that might not know you as well, you're just like such a charismatic person, you you know, even more so in person. And the kids, like when we were out visiting you in Vermont, when you were teaching a a summer camp, Dave Mm -hmm. just has kids literally attached to him most of the day just hanging off his physical body and you're just so special in that role it's it's hard for me to imagine that you'd move on to something else because it's, mm. it's a gift it's a gift to those families yeah thanks ian well you gave me a lot of inspiration to keep pushing throughout that those hard times because I was like, oh man, if Ian thinks I'm a good teacher, I better was better keep trying a little bit rather than quitting and becoming a I don't know if I told you guys, but my my backup job was to be a a mailman or a post postal delivery carrier. Post yeah. person as they called. Do you do you remember that mailman that used to come by my house? I would just sink like a three pointer from the end of my driveway basketball court. That guy was awesome. <laughs> no. You could be that guy. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Sweet. <laughs> well, you guys want to share some thorns? Yeah, I can share a thorn. Um, thank you, Dave, for sharing yours. And mine can be 
on the quicker side, but just need to mention the the personal thorn of this thing called that I have said on the show, like COVID caution, where different people have different levels of COVID caution and, you know, so much goes into that where like, for example, like where if, if they have to work at the front lines, then maybe um, they're more comfortable also going to like be with more people or, you know, if they're um, basically like uh, immunocompromised that affects it. And I think also politics affects it. So like, um, you know, just different friends groups and like uh, families. Yeah. I've noticed this among my students and people in my life that they have different COVID caution and that, that causes so much tension um, within families and within people who live together. And I've done some research to try to find some like good resources on like what to do if like a family member is not being COVID cautious. Um, and I haven't found much. So that whole tension is a, is a thorn that has come up time and time again this year. And I'm interested in, in finding more resources to help folks out um, with dealing with that. Cause that, That'll continue into the next year. The psychology is really interesting around that because I, I started experimenting with a new grocery store recently, and I'm still going in there and buying my my groceries and trying to keep my distance. But I was just walking up and down the aisles, and at some point I realized that the aisles had signs on them to tell you which direction you were supposed to walk down them. And I was just like going whatever which way. And I was embarrassed for a second. And I started following the rules. And then like once I understood the rules, I was just like boiling with rage at the people that were walking the wrong way down the aisles, even though I was doing that like 15 minutes earlier. And I just, <laughs> I just want to better understand what's going on in my brain to make me feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, yeah, I also find it, when I take a step back from it, just super interesting. You're right. And like this psychological level... And so I'm just fascinated that like, I've not seen any writing on this, um, in like the Atlantic or the guardian, um, much less like psychology journals, but I think it's a rich area that people are really struggling with this. Definitely. I'll, I'll, I just want to share a quick story. I was at a new grocery store as well. And there was a woman that was just like, we were standing in line and she was like right behind me and I started freaking out and I didn't know what to do. Cause she was yeah. like literally, and I, I was like, ah, ah, but I like, yeah. So I think we've all been there. Yeah. And that's why I would expect more, more writings on this. Ian, your, your thorn for the year. My thorn. Um, I, I already mentioned this. But I'm really sad that I'm not in Colorado right now, which is where I grew up and where my parents live and where my brother and his family lives. And it's, it's particularly hard this year because my dad has Alzheimer's and he's declined a lot over the past six months when I haven't been able to see him. And phone conversations can be difficult. It would be a lot easier if we could just hang out and do an activity in the same space rather than 
me pepper peppering him with questions to try to connect with him. And so I'm just, I'm just really, really sad that I don't get to share the space with my parents this holiday season. That's been hitting me pretty hard. I feel that one too, Ian. It's, and I appreciate you sharing, giving light to it. I think these thorns, it's, yeah, it's not like it can change it, but it maybe gives it a little space. And yeah, I really appreciate that, Ian. Hmm. Well, I say we go into the future. Let's, let's take a moment and think about our predictions, our buds, and maybe we can each share our personal and global predictions and they can be goals or hopes or dreams. Do whatever you want. Um, does that feel okay to you guys? Yeah, I like that. Wrap them together, our buds. Wrap them together. Yeah, yeah I could I and, could start. Um, yeah, go ahead, Babo. So, actually, my bud is building on what Ian said. I, I have this written down before Ian mentioned his rose, but it's the, I think that we're, we're in store for a climate change win in 2021. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I think there's enormous grassroots pressure. Um, I think social movements, um, you know, we had the climate strikes associated with Greta Thunberg and others like a few years ago. And so I think something's going to happen. I don't know what that's going to be, but I think something has to happen. So something will happen. Um, and then, so personally I've been, you know, really thinking a lot about homelessness and poverty and effects of the pandemic, um, in terms of wealth disparity has increased. So, and in Santa Cruz, for example, there's like houseless camps, um, many more than there used to be. Um, and so for me, I, my goal is to like, do more mutual aid work on this issue. I had been doing some mutual aid packets for houseless folks and I was meeting more houseless folks in Monterey County and that was positive. So that's my goal to do more of that. And I think um, that's just going to be very important. I think there's just going to be more and more houseless folks in 2021 and I want to be more sort of in solidarity with what they're facing. So that's me. Hmm, that's great, Babo. Yeah, I really like both of those a lot. It makes me want to scribble mine out and come up with better ones, you know? <laughs> um, so on that note, you want to go next, Ian, while I scribble and come up with good ones? Uh, I was going to ask you if I could scribble. I can, I can <laughs> yeah, wing it. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I'll wing it. I'll go with what I have. I'm the guest. All right. you. right. I'll buy you a little bit of time, Ian. All right. So uh, on a personal... This is actually going to be my New Year's resolution for the year, and I'm just going to say it's it's I'm putting it down as plastic free is the way to be, and there is like a big there's just so much plastic in everything, and as most people that listen to this show, you know we we go to the store and we bring our jars, but that's been hard with COVID like bringing jars to the store, right? And to fill up our bulk goods. And that's been like a real down moment for uh, Julie and myself. And a lot of this is coming from Julie and it's inspired by her. So I want to give her credit, but I definitely believe strongly in it. And we've been like really trying to get plastic out of the kitchen with our, like any, 
as much as like our sponges and our soaps and like trying to order in bulk. And now that we can get bulk goods again and bring bags into the store, that's been a, a big boon for us to like, just because the first few weeks of COVID or first few months, I just felt like it was so much plastic and we had done so much to try and get it out of our life. And now it's like, like started raging back in. So, but there's just like, I'm going to really try and make a commitment. Things like buying, you know, those clamshells of spinach, you know, or lettuce and trying to not do that, not buy any plastic like packaging. And of course that isn't, this is an impossibility, but, um, so I'm not, I'm not trying to make a commitment to like a hundred percent plastic free, but I'm just gonna, I just want to make that as a commitment for my new year is trying to help out Joe Biden and, um, with his climate plans and getting plastic out of my diet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you know what I mean? And globally, this is a prediction I made a, a few times and, I just really feel like the bananas are going to go extinct. And I feel like this is the year that we're going to see a, a banana bug that's going to take out the banana, um, the big, big banana orchards. And we're going to see a big change in bananas in 2021. So that's, that, those are my two buds predictions. I guess it's not really a hope or a dream. It's a pr- bold prediction. All right, let me give you one more, one more hope for the year. And that that hope is that we see some some wins for the native peoples of the the U.S. I feel like I'm I want to see some wins with whether it's water protectors or native land issues. I just feel like that's one of my hopes, and I'll leave it there and send it back over to Ian. Well, I think I'm going to sell my banana futures. <laughs> yeah. That's it's a smart thing to do. Get out of the big banana, Ian. <laughs> big banana. That's good. Nice. Uh, yeah. I can't like on on the personal or global. I don't know which one this is. I feel like uh, maybe a a peach tree baby in the works. Oh, it, did that happen? I don't know. Um, well, mind. It'd be unlikely to happen, but we would, that'd be the hope. That would be a hope that we would get pregnant this year. So keep it, keep your eyes out, people. You heard it here first. (laughs) Yep. Which, the bananas or the baby? (laughs) Bananas and babies. Nice, Ian. (laughs) Okay. And on the personal level, um, I am... I'm really in between Dave or Bob, when he introduced me, mentioned that I'm a college professor and I'm really in between research projects right now. So I'm really excited to just reinvent myself and I don't know exactly what that'll look like, but probably something related to community, solar, community energy efficiency, um, something like that. So I'm really excited about potential potentially using my my scholarship to do good locally and environmentally. So that's what I'm excited about on a personal level. I'm going to maybe piggyback off of Bob's, which is that I think that coronavirus also really exposed some of our weak 
social safety nets. And so I'm hoping that that will lead to some serious action to deal with income inequality and make sure that things like education and healthcare are accessible to more people. So I'm hopeful that we will learn from some of the recent uh, tragedies that we've experienced. Love it all. Oh, and it looks like we lost old Bob Maisler, which is just fine because he said he had a hard leave time. But um, I guess I'm just going to send us out if that's okay, Ian. And uh, I just want to thank you for coming on the show and being here with us and making it work on short notice. You want me to give some made up coordinates? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. How can people get in touch with you, Ian? Or, yeah, uh, may, or how can people get in touch with us? All three of us at um, cookiemonster at yahoo.mail. <laughs> and uh what is our what is our twitter handle i can't remember that one twitter handle is um bad banana 24 <laughs> perfect well ian we'll we'll leave it there and thanks for being on the show and happy new year buddy yeah you too man yep love you ian. love you too dave What's up, Driving Crew? Bob and Dave want to take a second to thank you for lending them your ears. They also want to thank the artists for making everything a little more beautiful. The intro song is In Heaven by Drake Stafford. Our audio is edited by the consummate and dexterous Nadir Chayetch. Web design by Chris the Mixer Sawyer. And of course, visual art is by the prolific and enigmatic Joe Shine. And finally, our new outro song is a cover of Can't Help Falling in Love by our editor, Nadir. See you next week. 